Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today we get to speak with Lorna Grayling. She is a television presenter, actress, business owner, and international award-winning model. She is the author of the book, Kidnapped, which is a true story about her husband's kidnapping and the path to hope. She learned to find joy in the storm. Welcome to the show, Lorna. Thank you so much. It's such an honor for me to be on your show. It's fabulous to have you. You're somebody with just so much life experience and so many different things that you've done um, and been through. And I know um, sort of the latest venture is to write was a very just profound, I'm sure horrible time in your life into a book, this book Kidnapped. I think, tell us a little bit about that because I think anyone that hears your bio and that introduction is going to want to dive right into what that book is about because it just sounds unbelievable. What happened? (laughs) Yes, it was quite unbelievable, I have to tell you. So yeah, my husband was kidnapped in 2010. He's a sound engineer and he was working on a big sport production in Africa, in Nigeria. And um, it was just a normal average day. He was going to work and, you know, they finished the, the match, they finished the filming of it and they got on the crew bus to head back home. I was in South Africa at the time, which is the country at the end of the South Point of Africa. It sounds so strange that the country's name is South Africa, but I know a lot of people are, oh, are you from the South of Africa? I'm like, yeah, South Africa, that's the country. So <laughs> always lots of confusion about that. So, yeah. I was at home just, you know, looking after my kids. I had three kids, a little one at the time, baby. uh, She was about one and then a three-year-old and then a five-year-old. And uh, so I was running around. I had a big business, a day spa and a wellness center. And um, having three kids and running a big business is keeps you busy. So I was just up and down running, thinking my husband is fine. He's going to come home, get on the airplane, no problems. But unfortunately, they didn't. So they were in the bus. And in Nigeria, there is lots of like military points. And they it's like a blockage, you know, like a, a blockade, a road blockade where they stop all the cars and then they check the cars. It's, it's a common thing in Nigeria. So they went through one of these road blockades and uh, as they stopped, all of a sudden, it wasn't the police outside. It was military men in uniforms, military uniforms with big rocket launchers, AK-47s. And they just started to hit the crew bus where my husband was riding in and just shouting and telling him to get out, get out. And um, before he could even respond to it, they came into the bus, pulled him out, took everything that all his belongings. And uh, one of the his crew members was actually lying on the grass and one of the rebels turned around, his phone rang in his pocket and they just turned around and killed him right there beside him and shot one of his friends in his leg three times. And they shoot until they can actually hear the bone break. They told him this afterwards while he was being held 
hostage. They do that so that they know they do real damage. So these guys were not joking around. They had absolutely no respect for life. Killing for them was just a day job. So my husband was, I mean, he knew this was, this was a big problem right there. And yeah, they proceeded to hijack a lot of cars. There was about 55 of these rebels and they took 10 hostages, pushed them into cars, hijacked the cars and started to speed off with them. Of course, along the road, they would now find the real police blockades where the police would be shooting at them. The rebels would be shooting at the police and my husband, being an unarmed hostage, would be sitting in the middle of a war with literally bullets flying everywhere past them into the cars, people getting killed, just absolute war zone. So long story short, I'm at home not knowing anything about this. And that evening, my sister-in-law and my family came to tell me, obviously, I had no idea what was happening. And a funny thing, when they gave me the news that morning before I actually started my day, a friend sent me a message on my cell phone. And she said to me, Lorna, I'm sending you this scripture, it's a Bible scripture. And it says, um, Psalm 91, and it says, God will send these angels to protect your loved ones and no harm will come over them. And I just, you know, read it in the moment, running around, taking my kids to school. But I, I really, something in me just thought, I'm paying attention to this. And I never thought about it again. And when my sister-in-law came into my house crying. The whole family was there. Some of my friends came in crying, saying, Lorna, they, they've taken your husband. They've taken your husband. He's kidnapped. We don't know where he is. And everybody's just crying. And you can see the seriousness in everybody's faces. In all these moments of horror and shock, the first thing I could think about was this message on my phone. And I had so much peace in the midst of this trauma and chaos. And I just knew that whatever is going to happen from here on, that I wasn't alone, that there was a supernatural God looking out for me. And it was a, it was a strange inner strength that kept me up. And, and I was so grateful for that. How did your family find out before you did? My husband's brother, my brother-in-law, he also is in production. So he works as a television producer and he works for the same company. So they actually phoned him first mm -hmm. to give him the, the shocking news, the company that my husband was working for. And then he told my sister-in-law, which then came to tell me. So <laughs> it was a whole chain reaction. <laughs> But um, yeah, I was still, we were swimming, the kids and I, we were just swimming and I was cooking dinner. I looked terrible. I remember when they came in, the first thing I said, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing here? I look terrible. It's funny how we always think of our appearance. <laughs> but uh, after they gave me the news, I realized appearance had that was absolutely not important anymore. What was important was, was my husband's life and for us to, to get through this, this tremendously tough and challenging time. 
So from there on, it started a lot of negotiations and things because the rebels would, during this time of of holding my husband hostage, because they eventually got to a place where the rebels kept him. So he he survived through a lot of lease blockages, a lot of shooting hours and hours of war, literally. He actually survived that, which was literally the first miracle But um, then they kept him there and what they would do, the rebels, is they would take off his clothes and they would beat him with a flat side of a machete, which is like a big steel blade that they use in Africa to cut grass with. So while they were beating him like that, holding guns against his head, telling him that they're going to kill him, he would be on the phone with me. So they would make him call me on my cell phone and I would answer when I answered, I would literally listen to my husband screaming and begging me for his life and, and literally telling me that he's going to die. He would be shouting and, and in agony, absolute agony. And I would hear the blows on his body. It's like a, that sound. It's not something that you actually hear. It literally goes right through your body. It sends chills everywhere. And it's like you just freeze hearing all this and yeah he would be screaming help me help me Lorna please help me they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me and then the rebels would shoot and kill the cell phone signal so and then there would just be dead silence so I wouldn't know whether he was dead or alive and um, this would be this would actually go on this went on for 10 days and during this time we got Um, negotiators. We got his company that he was working for uh, sent so people to come and help and support and negotiate. And we had special forces trying to find him. It was like a movie scene at my house where all these machines would be hooked up and when his phone calls would come through, would be recorded and they would be listening to these phone calls over and over again, trying to figure out if there's a helicopter nearby, if they can hear any like an air uh, airport or cars or anything in the background that can tell us where he is. And the media was at my house. They would try to climb over the fence, <laughs> trying to get in. It was, it's like in the movies, literally. <laughs> when I think back about it, it was, you know, it was an absolute, absolute crazy time. And yeah, I'm not going to tell the audience how we got him out. <laughs> they would have to read the book for that. <laughs> But um, we we did get him out. It's an amazingly uh, miracle story of how we actually got him out. And it's really something, something to read. But for me, I think what was profound during this time is just keeping my strength and putting faith over fear. It's something that I that I became very aware of. And it's very contradicting. When I was, I had a lot of support from my church. I was in a really amazing church and community at the time in South Africa. I now live in Florida, which is lovely. I love the USA. But at the time I was still living in South Africa and the community came for the whole week. Everybody was there praying, bringing food, sending beautiful messages and just sitting there and supporting me and and, and praying with me. And when I was in this environment of people who had hope and faith, there would be such peace and joy inside of me. And then when I would walk over to, there was two different rooms basically where all the professionals and all the 
special forces and everybody would be sitting there. And a lot of our countries, you know, very executive people was there trying to figure everything out. And, and when I would move over to that environment, there would be this, this huge fear and reality of we don't know where he is. We don't know if he's alive. We, there's just like so many unanswered questions. And it's a very fearful and a very real and a very numbing environment. And I realized that even today in my life, you know, we constantly kind of have this choice to decide, are we going to trust the reality that we see in front of us, the facts, or is there a little bit of hope? Is there something else? Is there something bigger that we can trust in? Because the reality in front of us can sometimes really cause a lot of anxiety and fear. And there's nothing good about that. It, just felt completely, completely hopeless. And hope deferred makes your heart sick. It can literally make you so depressed. Whereas having hope and fear, even if you can't see it because faith is, sorry, not fear, faith, that is something that you have to believe in something that you can't see. You can't see um, where it's going to turn out. But there is so much joy in that. It, it's through the joy comes strength. There's strength. I found strength in, in that environment. And now I, I, I completely use this tool just to get through like stupid things in life. When I actually came to America, it's so interesting. I put my kid on the school bus uh, for the first time. I wasn't used to school buses. We didn't have that in South Africa. And as she was going on the school bus to school. It's her first day in middle school. I got an Amber Alert on my phone. So this was also new for me in America. I didn't know what this was. So my phone started making this funny sound. And on there, it says child kidnapped, child kidnapped. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not possible. Like, how can this be? I'm, no, I can't handle another kidnapping. You know what I'm saying? So immediately fear and the reality of the facts that I'm faced with in front of me just wanted to grab me. And in that, I thought, no, remember the kidnapping, remember what I did there. And I just immediately went and I went in my own, you know, talking to myself. I must have looked a little bit crazy to other people, but <laughs> I just like, Lorna, there's no facts that she's kidnapped. I'm sure she's on the bus. She's fine. And I just started having faith. She's going to get off the bus. She's going to come home. She's going to have a good day. And until proven otherwise, this is going to be a good day. And I had to do that quite a few times, have faith in the fact that the kidnapping, it's not my child. She's going to be fine. And after a while, I just, you know, forgot about it. And she came off the bus. She was fine. It wasn't her. <laughs> but I could have that whole day been anxious and been stressed and thinking and thinking and thinking, is my child okay? Is she kidnapped? Is it her? And would have completely drained me. And these are the kind of things that we do without noticing it. And if we don't literally change our minds, to think something else and change our environments and, and almost remove ourselves a little bit from the facts that we see in front of us, we can really end up quite despondent and quite fearful. And I think that causes a lot of depression and anxiety in today's life. Oh, I've got so many examples. Yeah. Like last week I had to go, my cars, both my cars broke <laughs> in the same week. And we just bought this brand new car and um, we spent all of our money on this car to buy it. And the guy who sold us the car just sold us a complete 
broken car. It was in so many accidents. He didn't tell us. Oh, it was just a whole story. And um, he just said, well, sorry for you. You bought the car. It's on you. You signed a document as is, and that's your problem now. It's not mine. And he was just so rude. And so I took the car to a dealership and they were quoting me between eight and $10,000 to fix the car. So my first immediate response is, oh, that's it. I'm ruined financially. This is the end. We can't fix it. I don't have the money. I just bought this car. Like, oh, I just wanted to, you know, crawl up and die. So immediately I decided, okay, no, let me not go that route. Maybe I can go home. Maybe there is another dealer that can help me. Maybe I will find someone else that isn't so expensive. Maybe they missed something and it's a, it's not that big. Maybe it's a smaller problem. Anyway, and I just went home and I just thought, let me go to bed. And the next day I drove around and I did find another dealer, a private guy who looked at the car for me. And he did find a small mistake that they did overlook, thinking that they thought it was a much bigger problem and it wasn't. And I eventually ended up fixing the car for $1,400. Everything done, everything fixed. And there we go. It's it's running and it's fine. And so, yeah, it just shows you, you know, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I'm so glad it worked out well. <laughs> But um, it's that in-between that can literally drive us crazy. And those are the times that we need to speak to ourselves and change our minds, not to hang on to fear, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And here on the podcast, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or business owners of some kind. You are a business owner. How has the kidnapping and everything that you've gone through and learned affected you as a businesswoman? Yes. In business, I think especially today, you know, it's and also after COVID, I mean, oh, there's so many businesses that that really struggled so much. And, and even us, I mean, I literally I had the biggest wellness center and day spa in Melville. It's an area in South Africa before COVID and it was running well. I had started it. I owned it 20 years. I built it up from nothing. And after COVID, the business was struggling as well as the fact that my husband wasn't able to work. We were in a complete lockdown in South Africa and there was no international sport events happening. So for 18 months, he had no income, absolutely nothing. And um, we had to, I basically had to sell what I could from the property where my business was on to make up for the lost. And yeah, I lost everything. I literally lost my entire business, everything that I was working for my entire life. And again, that fear wants to grab you, right? It's like, oh, I can't do this again. I can't, what I've done took me 20 years. There's no way I've got 20 years and the energy that I had when I was 25 to build something again. You know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to support my kids? What am I going to do? You know, all these thoughts just want to create complete chaos in your mind. But again, I took my own advice. It took me a while, I have to say. You know, it's not that easy. (laughs) Some days is better than others. But I took my own advice and I just thought, you know what, Donna, there's nothing that you can do about what's happening now. You've just got to make the best with it. And maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this will work out amazingly. Maybe this this will work out better than ever. Maybe I'll find a complete new industry that will be joyful. And, you know, who knows? I don't know. There was no facts to prove 
anything that I was having faith for, but I just thought, well, I'm going to believe that some good will come out of this and that everything will work out well. And um, it did. I ended up relocating to the United States. We are here. Our whole family is here. And I got uh, my own television show. I got a beautiful television show called Woman Power on a network, starting a whole new business from scratch, something that I absolutely love, something that I wanted to do all my life is have my own television show. And um, it's so exciting. And, you know, now I am starting from scratch. And some days I feel like I don't know if I have the energy, but I just have to believe that I will have the energy for what I need to do today. And tomorrow will come and tomorrow I will do what I can tomorrow. But sitting in the position now, thinking ahead, thinking, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? When, when problems comes up, it literally just causes fear and anxiety and it drains your energy. So yeah, I kind of see it like exercising your mental muscles of hope. So it's like going to the gym. It's like taking your mind to the gym. You don't feel like believing the positive and you don't, in the beginning, it's hard to do because your mind isn't used to it. But the more you kind of talk to yourself and, and influence yourself through thinking positive things, thinking hopeful things, thinking that it's not the end of the world and just replacing the thoughts of fear with thoughts of hope, uh, the easier it gets and the more used to it you get just like going to the gym you know in the beginning you all charge up um, I'm gonna go to the gym and then the next day your muscles is painful <laughs> you think oh no I can't go back but the more you go back and that's always in the persistence and the regular going to the gym that you find victory and you know you get this beautiful body after a year of going to gym regularly and it's the same with your mind just retraining our minds and you know when we have peace and joy in our minds we can create and we can think new ideas. We, we have wonderful new thoughts that come up that we don't have when we're anxious and all stressed out. And I think for in entrepreneurs in the business world, that is essential because entrepreneurship daily, we have to recreate. We have to make something from nothing. We have to come up with solutions for problems that we didn't even know was going to be a problem yesterday, you know, and it's hard. So yeah, that is something that I do and just exercising my mental muscles of hope <laughs> and replacing those fearful thoughts with thoughts of hope. I hope uh, that's amazing helpful. lessons, amazing lessons, because I agree with you. I think manifestation and hope and positive thinking, it doesn't necessarily come naturally to everybody, but it's something that you can work on like a skill. You know, like if you're not born being someone who's really artistic, well, then you need to practice, you know, and you need to do it a little bit every day and pretty soon it becomes more of your nature. I think your story is inspiring. I think what you've been through is enough to fill an entire mini series on TV and more because just all of the different life experiences you've gone through, just such profound ones and um, such amazing lessons to teach others. So is the best place for people to connect with you at your website? Yes, that would be wonderful. I do public speaking. I do talks. I can be, in, I was two weeks ago, I was an MC at, um, in Nashville. Uh, so that was fantastic. We had so much fun. Uh, so yeah, whatever they need, uh, we'll, they can also check out our television show on there. It's called Woman Power and the links are on there. So it's a wonderful website with great information on. So please listeners, go ahead and connect with Lorna at lornagrayling.com. Lorna, it has been been amazing to have you on the show. I can't wait to have you back someday soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. 
Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.